What's going on, guys? John Hasselbauer here, golf writer for thelines.com. It is a big week in store for the Players Championship 2023. My favorite event of the year. I would even go as far as to say I'm more excited for this event than the Masters, uh, just because it is all the best PGA Tour players uh, in one place in a full field of 144 uh, at a golf course that I have actually had the pleasure of playing. I've got the sawgrass flag up here i've got the sawgrass merch over here i've even got sawgrass right behind me um so i'm repping sawgrass i love this course is it worth the the price to pay it that's for another discussion uh, i was you know fortunate to play on a, a discounted stay and play rate but it's still probably like over 400 dollars for a round play it once don't think you need to play it again for that price but i'm happy i did um, I did not play from the tips and they did not grow out the rough to close to four inches like we're going to see this week. So I can't exactly say I know exactly how to navigate this course in a one-to-one correlation with how the professionals are going to be in store this week. Um, but any sort of experience on the grounds I think can help in some sort of way. Uh, I've definitely found myself in nefarious, uh, positions, around undulated greens and uh, around these just tricky, unnecessary greenside bunkers that are like, you know, the size of like a basketball hoop uh, is a bunker on the green side. And you like you're hitting bunker shots, standing outside of bunkers, classic Pete die. Um, but uh, it's going to be a fun week. So I guess from that perspective, people are going to hit bad shots and not be rewarded. I know what that feels like uh, being on the ground. So maybe there's something that I can channel. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, just track record at, at Sawgrass. I was fortunate enough to be on Justin Thomas in 2021, had a little bit of a sweat with Keegan Bradley here last year. And we did hit Tom Hoagie as first round leader, uh, last year before all of the weather went crazy. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a random tournament, but a tournament we have enjoyed a little bit of success at, uh, in, you know, so far the last couple of years. So hopefully we keep that momentum going. Uh, before I go any further, make sure you are subscribed to the Lions YouTube channel. Uh, ring the bell for any notifications, new alerts for any new videos that go up. That is not just for golf, but also MLB, which is about to get in season. College basketball, it's March Madness now. So there's a ton of great content. I know I am going to start to follow along. Eli has some great stuff out. Uh, March Madness Bracketology, all that good sort of stuff. Um, that's what you can find here at the line. So uh, definitely make sure you are subscribed and and getting those notifications. Um, and make sure you're in the Discord because uh, we have been talking futures for the players over the last few days, uh, able to get a little CLV on some players who uh, you know peaked on Sunday at the API and then uh, you know, lines adjusted on Monday and, and odds went, went far down on them. So players like Keegan Bradley, who we were, we were able to get on him at 90 on Sunday, right, right in the middle of his sort of birdie streak, um, where he kind of climbed to a top 10 cash us a top 20 last week. So good graces with Keegan and very happy to have that 90 and, uh, Jason day, they were hanging a 50 on him before his top 10 last week. He's got four straight top 10s going into this event as a past winner. So very happy to have um, that number as well. I am not going to share every single uh, outright, I bet, this week because there will be a special mega cast going up uh, tomorrow. We do that for the majors and the extra special events. So be on the lookout uh, for a follow-up video that will be coming out tomorrow. 
Um, before we go any further into the players, let's look back at everything that happened in golf last week. Uh, the API just continues an amazing stretch from these designated events. I keep go. I keep calling it elevated events, designated events. I don't know what's right. I don't know what elevated is anymore. I think that's like the casual term that we were using, uh, but now it's designated, or at least in 2024, it's definitely designated. So we're trying to figure that out. I don't know. Either way, uh, all the best players in the world, uh, or not in the world, <laughs> on the PGA Tour, uh, were there at the API. And for the fourth time in uh, basically a perfect four out of our first four on elevated events, uh, where we started with Century and it was Colin versus, versus John Rahm, down to the down to the very end, we had uh, the waste management was uh, Scheffler and and Nick Taylor, which was interesting down to the end. Uh, and then we had the Genesis, which was Homa and Rom, and a little bit of Keith, Keith Mitchell in there, a little David and Goliath sort of situation. And for the first three, the best player prevailed, and I think that's what everybody was expecting down the stretch at the API last week, our fourth designated event. Where in a sea of Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas sort of hanging around, you just sort of assumed that one of those guys would hit the shot they needed to hit, get to the get to you know the top of the leaderboard, and your Kurt Kitayamas of the world. Uh, with you know, all due respect to Kurt Kitayama, he's been hanging around in tough fields, deep fields, uh, for the better better part of a year now bunch of runner-up finishes where he he competed to the very end um but he's not a, he's not a household name like these other superstars definitely not a superstar at least not yet um so you were kind of expecting him to fall off he did with a triple bogey on nine and then for the back nine you kind of just assumed okay that was that was it the pressure got to him we're we're done with Kitayama, and he just parred his he kept parring and parring and just hanging around nobody else could hit a putt when they needed it and uh, at, at the end of the day, the guy who was going to make a clutch putt at the end was going to win. And Kitayama went back to back on 17 and 18 with two of probably the best putts of his life. Uh, got a nice read on 17 from a bunker shot with his playing partner. Uh, nailed it right in the center. Never a doubt. Tough, tough par three that 17. He had a great approach in there and gets the bogey, gets the birdie to to get solo first, avoid that log jam. Uh, playoff and then hits an amazing lag putt. I mean, that whole hole, as soon as he pulled it left in the rough, you look at his angle in and he had an absolutely perfect approach shot to even like hold the green of regulation for where he was. He left about a, a 50 foot putt, probably. It's crazy to think that there's no way he could have done any better than that from the rough. And then he hits an absolutely perfect lag putt on a sweeping left to right. And leaves a little mark for a one-inch putt for $3.4 million or whatever it is. So congrats to Kitayama, a 200-to-1 uh, pre-tournament outright winner at the API. Not the trend that we were kind of going towards uh, with these elevated events. It just, it just seemed like the best player would keep on winning, especially in difficult conditions. You just assume that the best, most well-rounded players are going to prevail. But kudos to Kurt Kitayama. I think that gives us hope as betters that we love betting these long shots and they it's been kind of disheartening with the favorites or a top five favorite winning seemingly every week. That's why we bet long shots. That's why we, we compliment our card with a little 150, 200 to one guy uh, every given week. So good for Kirk Kitayama. I don't really 
think this is the best course for him as a follow-up, and it's going to be a little bit of a hangover after such a dramatic win. But, uh, you know, wish him the best. I think he will have a a very good season. And any course that rewards, you know, longer driving distance, that's that's really his bread and butter. Um, Okay, so let's turn the page to... Actually, no, I'm not going to turn the page yet. One other thing I want to talk about um, that went down last week is just the new... Uh, the new schedule of designated events. Um, so a, a lot of sort of outrage uh, when the news came out last week that the elevated events in 2024 are going to be limited field, no cuts, about 70 to 80 players. My gut reaction when I heard that was this is a tone deaf decision by the PGA Tour and nobody wants this. The fans don't want this. We like a cut. We like that sort of uh, you know, reap what you sow sort of situation, earn your keep, meritocracy, all that good stuff. I don't want to see, for example, Sam Burns, who's completely lost on the course on Thursday and Friday and 15 strokes off the lead. I don't need to see the weekend with him. And I think where the tour really missed on this is, and it's it's equal parts of the tour and the sponsors who are kind of guiding these decisions, because at the end of the day, it's a business and you need to appease um, your, your corporate sponsors first and foremost. Unfortunately, I think they they care more about appeasing the corporate sponsors than the fans. Um, and the fans are what drives, what drives viewership, which inherently drives the corporate sponsor interest. So uh, I would hope that they would take the fans' input into account a little bit more. Um, but I, I think where they really miss on this is... We really don't care if Rory McIlroy is in the field on Saturday and Sunday if he's 10 strokes off the lead. Um, take take last week, for example. John Rahm was never a factor in that tournament on the weekend. He was the first-round leader, um, but he played himself out of contention on Friday, and then he got worse on Saturday. I don't think they showed a single John Rahm golf shot on Saturday or Sunday. So from a TV viewership standpoint... It makes absolutely no difference to me if John Rahm made that cut or not because I didn't see him. Um, and I didn't want to see him. I wasn't watching that telecast saying, where's John Rahm? Because he wasn't a, a factor in the tournament. Um, now, if you're a spectator and you're going to the event and you're buying tickets and you bought it weeks in advance and you can't get off of work on Thursday or Friday and you really want to go on the weekend to see the stars, I totally get that. But I don't think that was a business problem that the PGA Tour was facing where where the the gate prices were down because everybody was outraged that their favorite players weren't there. Maybe the very long tail of this, uh, you're growing the game because everybody's guaranteed to see the stars in person and the next generation when the PGA Tours in their town can go in and know that they're going to see John Rahm. Maybe there's a benefit to that. I still think if you miss the cut, maybe it would make more sense to just have the players stick around and do like meet and greets and stuff. And you're still accomplishing the same thing while not like forcing out of contention guys to show up. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, and I'm sure they, they tested this a bunch and, and this was the decision that made the most sense for them. The last thing I'll say on, on the new designated, the new designated schedule, um, I feel less terrible about it than, than at first glance, just hearing the players describe it a little more. It does seem like had we done full field designated events for the full season, then every non-designated event would essentially look like what we saw at the, at the Puerto Rico Open um, the year, though the last week that was running opposite to um, to the API because you know that that's just like everybody outside the OWGR 
top 100 that, that couldn't qualify to the designated events to play in the other one. I, you know, I, I love golf, but I don't love it that much to be sweating Nico Echevarria um, at the Honda Classic. So um, I, I think in that standpoint, it does actually maintain for us like golf obsessives an interesting product in the non-designated weeks. I think as a middle ground, I would like to see a little like, you know, top 75 um, or cut or um, in a field of 70 to uh, in, a, in a field to 70 or 80. Um, if you're not within 10 strokes of the lead going into Sunday, you're not playing anymore. Something like that. I just don't want to see meaningless golf, I think, is is, is the, the end point here. And, and do you really need to guarantee uh, $50,000 for showing up to some of these guys? I know that they're not playing to for a paycheck um, if you're like a top 50 player in the world at that point. But I don't know. I guess we'll see how it plays out. But that's just my two cents on it. Um, okay, so let's move in now to the players. Um, again, my favorite week of the year. Um, if you have uh, been familiar with my work, you've probably seen my tournament preview. It's up on the screen now. It is linked in the description of this YouTube channel. Um, and quick side note too, Discord channel. It's super, it's right here. Join Discord right here. You can also hit this icon all the way up here. Um, get in there. It's 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 a good, it's a growing community. It's free. Uh, we just kind of share our bets. I post every time. As soon as I put it out right in, I put it in there. Um, and I think it's actually been a really helpful way to chat through betting strategy and anything that's missed outside of these videos and my written content. So hope you guys will join in on the fun in there. But uh, now we are on to the players at TBC Sawgrass. We're in Florida. This is leg number three of the Florida Swing. Um, and also a quick reminder on these articles. Um, if you click on this link in the middle of it, We've essentially just moved all of the evergreen content that's not field specific into this other page. So you can always search for players odds, whether it's the week out before the tournament or, or the week of the tournament, that will all be here. That's where you're going to get all the course specs that don't change the uh, scorecard for the week and the betting trends. Um, so let's look at the betting trends here. Uh, Cam Smith is not back to return after winning since he's gone to live that's disappointing it takes sort of the fifth major element out of this tournament in my opinion if all the best players in the world are not here i can't call it the fifth major but um camp i don't know 2022 was such a weird throwaway year too with the weather really complicating the ways it really like ruled out half the field from even being able to to compete from the get-go so i didn't love last year's tournament to be completely honest and it ended on monday I was on a bachelor party the whole week. I didn't get to watch too much of it. So it's almost like 2022 never happened. And the way that the PGA Tour is promoting this, they certainly are treating it as if 2022 never happened because it's just Justin Thomas 2021 videos type up this tournament. That's fine. I don't really care. Um, you know, it was it was an impressive win by Cam Smith, but he also was absolutely abysmal off the tee and just hit every putt, which is like a frustrating way to to not hit an outright when when you're going up against a guy like that. But he was a popular popular bet here last year at 30 to 1. Justin Thomas was a popular bet here the year before at 20 to 1. So this does sort of seem to be a place where elite skilled players who drift on the number but aren't quite in the worst form um, have done well here. Uh, you know, three straight winners of 30 to 1 or less. But you look before that and you've got Webb Simpson, Siwoo Kim, Jason Davis, another favorite, but then uh, Ricky Fowler, Martin Keimer, 
uh, a couple more surprises in there, we would say. So I think the through line here is complete all-around game. Very important to be a good ball striker. Um, very important to scramble and, and have creative touch around the green because you're going to have tight runoffs. You're going to have these weird bunkers. You're going to have decisions to do a little Texas wedge putt from off the green. Uh, in the fringe, uh, a lot of tight lies over there. Um, and a lot of just good shots that are going to catch a weird sort of slope going in um, and miss the green, and you're going to have to get up and down on some unrewarded good shots. Uh, that's why we have such an interesting track record on this course of players who come in in good form or amongst the favorites, and then suddenly they miss the cut. Uh, just a lot of these unpredictable bounces, a lot of unpredictable gusts of wind, uh, like a lot more wind than you would expect Um for a short, essentially a landlocked uh, um, course. It's not coastal. It's not exposed to the coast at all. Uh, but you get these like weird surprising winds and you're like surrounded by trees, but they're really thin trees. So they're not really like blocking the wind at all. So all of this, I, I'm sure just gives the players fits. You also have like all the grandstands in there that are like blocking wind at like a head level. Uh, but we're at the, where the ball flight goes up, it's not blocked by the wind and it creates this like swirling stadium wind effect. So that I think is why you don't see the same results two years in a row. And when we look at the at course history here, Shane Lowry is the only player um, who's finished top 25 in consecutive years in 2022 and 2021. Weather obviously played a big factor in that last year, but I think that's been a pretty consistent trend year over year, regardless of, of weather conditions or not. So it's hard to it's hard to back anybody on the basis of course history alone. Um, the only players who really have like I would say an unblemished course history here would be Justin Thomas and Keegan Bradley, um, and, and that just kind of just goes to show like even they might be bound for a disappointing week because it, this course just seems to get everybody at some point when you put seventeen water holes in play. Um, you're just kind of bound to have one bad hop or hit a good shot that you missed by, you know, a yard, right. And all of a sudden you're in the water. So, uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's going to be a really exciting week of golf. And it's one of those tournaments where like, if your guy is three strokes back, uh, of the lead with three to play, you can go three straight birdies and your opponent can go three straight bogeys on these last three holes. So it's just awesome risk reward. Um, just a stadium tournament style risk reward course done right. Um, and I just, I, I love watching this tournament so much. So I can't wait, uh, to get to the action. Um, so now with all of that preview stuff in mind, I'm going to move over to the, to the spreadsheet here. Um, here you're going to see the model that I ran in fantasy national as I said, usually I use this uh, part of the video to go over everybody I bet, um, but I want to go into more detail on that, and I don't want to go too over on this video. So um, that is going to be covered in my next video tomorrow with, with some other guys on the line staff to really sink into this tournament. Uh, but just from like a preview research standpoint, we'll go over everything that I think is important in the model, uh, and then maybe we'll hop into Fantasy National a little bit and uh, look at some look at the player profiles of the guys that uh, that I like the most this week. So looking at the model, it's actually a pretty basic one for me. Uh, a lot less inputs than I typically would put in uh, for a golf tournament. So you're, you'll see ball striking forty percent, comp conditions twenty, scoring 
whether it be from par fives to par four scoring, birdie redder, bogey avoidance, these are all scoring stats. Uh, 20% on that, and then 20% on short game bet- between around the green and putting, both total and Bermuda. Um, so that's that's really basic, but you know some some components that go into that. Um, you know, specifically for ball striking approach is going to be the end all be all be all here. It's not a week where you really like funnel into a, a specific range of like, this is a wedge course. This is a long iron course. It's really evenly distributed and, and pretty much like on tour average with what any like average PGA tour course would, would distribute, um, from an approach proximity standpoint. So I think just stroke scan approach is more than enough. Um, to kind of isolate the the best iron players, and if we look at who the best iron players are going into this week, uh, Tom Hoagie, interestingly enough, is still in the number one spot. Uh, he played very well here last year; was the first round leader. Um, so, somebody that I will be very interested in. He's twenty overall in my uh, model and seventy four hundred dollars on DraftKings, which is pretty pretty solid. Uh, the rest of the top 10 in approach, Rory, Xander, Tom Kim, who I also love, my spotlight player this week, Colin Morikawa, who I really love, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Russell Knox is a Ponte Vedra Beach resident and practices out of Sawgrass, so he always has some pretty good results at this course, potentially um, nice little value play in DFS, and, uh, and Tony Finau. So I would say all of these guys who are good on approach, you want to be trending going into this course. You don't really want to have any doubts about what your ball is doing um, with so many like just risky tee shots where if you're you're off by a fraction, you're in the water. So super, super high on, on approach this week. Opportunities gained is just like a subset of approach where you're hitting it within 15 feet. Um, at what rate are you doing that? Um, so that's going to be a lot of the same good approach players. But Roy McIlroy has, has been the best at generating opportunities. That's not too much of a surprise. And he has one at this event uh, in 2019. Good drives gained is one that's very uh, correlated at Sawgrass and typically is correlated at most Pete Dye courses where even if you miss the fairway, this is like similar to fairways game, but you're still like giving yourself an angle. You're missing on the right side. You know where the water is and you're not hitting it into the water. Like the, these simple things, but they actually add up. So I think... Good drives gained is something that uh, may go a little overlooked this week, but something I'm looking at very closely. Uh, and then ball striking on short courses. I think this is a really important one. Um, I'm not really funneling in strokes gained off the tee because there's other courses where you can just bomb it um, and just you know get away with distance alone, and you'll you'll have, you'll rank out well in strokes gained off the tee without having any accuracy. You can't do that here, and because of that, there's going to be a lot more. Force layups, a lot less drivers being used in general. Um, but that's a, a pretty consistent uh, formula at any course that's 7,200 yards or less where there's not as much distance in there. You would imagine, as long as it's not the easiest course in the world, uh, that to make up for the lack of distance, there's more dog legs and more positional importance. So that's what we have at uh, TBC Sawgrass. And when we look at the best ball strikers, uh, combination of off the tee and approach on the short courses, um, the names aren't too surprising. Corey Connors, Russell Henley, Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Finau, Luke Liss is maybe a little bit interesting. Finau is interesting as a player who, in theory, could use that driving iron of his, not hit driver and do perfectly fine to you know hit it to, to 80 in the fairway without even needing a driver. So this is the type of course that should sort should suit Tony Finau, but the results haven't quite been there. 
uh, comp course history is always something that I um, I weight very very heavily, and Pete Dye history is something that you know of all the architects, I think it's most important um, to to have success on his other courses. That includes the Stadium Course, Harbor Town. Uh, you know, primarily those two are, are probably the best comps. Uh, TPC River Highlands is another one. There's also Kiwa Island. I don't really want to include that. I actually took that out of the Pete Dye history, uh, along with Whistling Straits, just because that is just pure driver heavy. And I don't think it's really relevant if you struggled on that course. I don't think it really correlates whatsoever to um, to TPC Sawgrass. Uh, other non-Dye comps, just to go a little bit further into comp course history, um, I think Eastlake and Colonial are, are pretty good. Um, they, they're pretty exposed to wind, um, positional, challenging, um, both played it like colonials, uh, you know, Charles Schwab is an invitational. It's usually a good field. Eastlake is always the best players with a lot of money at stake. So like subjectively, these are all things that are kind of at play here. Um, and let's see Sedgefield for the Wyndham championship, uh, where, where Tom Kim won most recently. I think that's a, a very similar, like be accurate, be a good putter. Um, a, a lot of correlation there. Webb Simpson, uh, comes to mind as somebody who's won at both. Uh, Sony Open has a lot of correlation. Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, Matt Kuchar. Um, who else? There's one other player that I, I'm forgetting. I, I know Webb Simpson hasn't won there, but he's always contending there. Um, so that's a course where um, we see a lot of overlap in, in, in the leaderboard. Or Sibu Kim, obviously, he won earlier this year. So he's the other one who's won at the players and Sony. So an interesting correlation there just to, to reference who's played well at both. Um, and TPC Scottsdale, I think just for the atmosphere and the TPC style risk reward, all of that good stuff. Uh, I think that's a pretty interesting comp course to reference. Uh, then we go to scoring stats, par five score. There's five of that. There's four par five. So you got to take advantage there. Um, par four scoring 450 to 500. That's a stat that we typically see, uh, on difficult scoring conditions. That's where your bogeys come from. Uh, and in general, when you look at par four, 400 to, 450 to 500, uh, you see a strong correlation with bogey avoidance because those typically tend to be the hardest holes on the golf course. So um, if you are avoiding bogeys there, you're probably not going to make bogeys anywhere else between um, you know the par fives and, and the, the lesser par fours. I guess par threes would be the only other instance where bogey might come into play. But uh, yeah, just interesting to see that uh, Victor Hovland is number one in 450 to 500, but close to dead last in bogey avoidance. Um, that's really just a short game issue. As you can see around the green, he's he's nearly dead last there as well. And he's kind of just like bottling the easier holes. We saw that at API uh, on the, the 16th hole where he just dunked it in the water for no reason. Um, so in general, if you are good in these ranges, you're probably bo avoiding the bogeys. Avoiding the bogeys is huge this week. There's five uh, 450 to 500 yard par fours. So definitely an important stat this week. Birdie or better gain is just, are you going to play a little bit more aggressive and try to get your birdies when you have your opportunities? This is not going to be a single digit under par week. Um, so you do need to go after birdies when you hit a good tee shot. Um, when you're in the fairway, you got to be a little aggressive, especially on those par fives. Um, so that's something I think is important for scoring this week. Um, and then short game, like I said, around the green, very important here. I'm not going to play Victor Hovland this week. I generally avoid him on Pete Dye courses because he has enough trouble as it is on the bunkers and, and Dye has some of the most 
uh, complicated bunkers you'll see on the PGA Tour. So um, that's an important one for me. I think what's really frightening this week as somebody who's not going to bet Justin Thomas is uh, just how good he ranks out in some of these important categories. Like he is number one strokes gain around the green. He is so good with his touch there. He's four, top five in um, par five scoring, number four there. And then he's number one in Pete Dye history, which is skewed by the player's win, but still, um, you know, he plays Dye well. He's, he's a thinker on the golf course. He's number one in comp course history. He's top five too in uh, ball striking on the shorter courses. So if you take the driver out of JT's hand, he becomes dangerous. He has great course history here um, to the right. You can even see his results. No missed cuts over the last five years. That's you. You look at everybody else. Um, I guess I'm filtering by around the green, but everyone around him, you're not going to see uh, that level of consistency at TPC Sawgrass. So Justin Thomas, very interesting. Somebody I might consider for one and done potentially, um, uh, DFS will be in my lineups and uh, maybe maybe a placement bet, but uh, the outright number is too short uh, for someone who hasn't really looked like he can win a golf tournament since the PJ Championship, which was an impressive win. Um, and then lastly, uh, a putting. So I didn't want to go purely Bermuda because it is overseeded. Um, it's not as, I, I don't know, it's not like a, a pure, pure Bermuda. It's just a very like good flat surface. So uh, I'm going to combine this with long-term putting in Bermuda uh, and wrap that all together into short game. Uh, in general, it's not like a putting specialist course. I don't think the greens are like the biggest defense of this course. So uh, putting is not like something I put a ton of weight on. I'm definitely leaning more into the around the green categories. Um, okay. And then just looking at uh, sawgrass history specifically, I wanted to include this just to illustrate how random um, the, the course history trends are here. So you can see results over the last five years. And then this is all strokes gained uh, categories at TPC Sawgrass. Um, so if you look at the model, this is how I like try to just validate like people who write, write out well in my model, are they playing well at Sawgrass? Uh, in general, when you look at the strokes in total at Sawgrass, it's pretty good. I think the only... Uh, instance of somebody who's rating out well in my model but hasn't had the results yet at Sawgrass is Tony Finau. Uh, even when you look at someone like Xander Shoffley, who has three straight missed cuts, he did have a T2 here. So missed cuts are going to come. You're going to get some bad weather draws. You're going to get some bad hops. But if you have that upside potential to finish T2 and contend here, I can overlook the missed cuts because there's so many. You can't avoid the the, the missed cuts here, um, you know, more or less. Like, like John Rahm has finished outside the top 50 in three of the last five years. And I actually look at that as like a pretty good, um, a pretty good course history just because he has the, this T nine and T 12 recently. So I, I do like John Rahm's chances. He's number one in my model. Once again, um, Roy McElroy has very mixed course history here. He won sandwiched by two missed cuts. So just goes to show you like, don't make decisions based on course history alone. Um, the other thing that's, that's just like kind of random is of my, you know, top model guys. Um, they're all terrible at putting at, uh, at, um, sawgrass. Um, I would say that's probably due to change. Um, just because they haven't had the results yet doesn't mean that they can't, um, this time around, but, um, yeah, it, just an interesting sort of coincidence there. Um, so just going back to, um, 
let's see. Let's let's look at of the best course history, guys. Like, what does it look like to have to be a player who has success at Sawgrass? So you can see um, it's Justin Thomas, number one in total course history, followed by Adam Scott, Jason Day, Siwoo Kim, Tommy Fleetwood, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, Rory McIlroy, Francesco Molinari, and Corey Connors. These are all veterans to me. They're not like these just showed up uh in their first year and and had immediate success they're also like top tier ball strikers as well so i think you got to be a confident ball striker you have to like have some scar tissue to you of like you know how to avoid um hitting a dangerous shot here be patient be a course manager all that good stuff so if you're not a, a an actual veteran, I think it just helps to have like a veteran caddy on the bag who who knows sawgrass so that you can still navigate the course um, in a strategic and thoughtful way. Um, and that just yeah. So this is the the last five years of total course history, and even here you can really see these are the guys who play sawgrass the best, and they're missing the cut at a crazy rate too. Only Justin Thomas of the top nine players uh, has avoided missing a cut in each of the last five years. So all these guys are susceptible um, to a missed cut, but some of the guys who I guess sort of stand out as um, looking somewhat consistent so far here would be uh, Justin Thomas, uh, Corey Connors, Doug Gim, surprisingly, uh, Zalatoris has, has avoided missing the cut uh, in each, each of his last few appearances. And Keegan Bradley is the other one who joins Thomas as, uh, not having a miscut over each of the last five years. So uh, maybe there's something to the Florida residents, um, definitely the ball strikers and people who are comfortable on Bermuda greens um, in general. Um, but yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. You know, I teased out at the, at the top of this, I'm going to be betting um, Keegan Bradley, uh, uh, Jason day and Tom Kim. Those were bets that I put in on Sunday uh, and, and shared in the discord channel. Um, so the rest of my outright card is still in the works, but it will be complete um, by tomorrow. Um, so stay tuned for that follow-up video. Again, that's going to be with some other line staffers, a little mega cast, if you will, for the Players' Championship. But uh, I'm just so excited for this week. Uh, can't wait for it to be Thursday. But, you know, in the meantime, appreciate you guys watching along, and best of luck with your Players' Championship bets this week. 